two passages tonight. The first one is from Luke chapter 16 and beginning at verse 16. And this can be found on page uh, 1050 of the Church Bibles. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And the second passage is from Matthew, chapter 19, beginning at verse 3, and this can be found on page 986 of the Church Bibles. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to, to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jonathan, and good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm Andy Roughhead. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Uh, welcome if you're new, if you're visiting, um, and hello to students especially. Um, I head up our student team. I'd love to meet you if you're new or visiting us uh, tonight. When uh, Jonathan told me, Jonathan G., the vicar, um, who's not here this Sunday told me that I was preaching on this topic, I thought, oh, help. And, uh, and I've been praying that kind of ever since. Um, we're, we're looking tonight at Jesus' teaching on marriage and divorce. Uh, as, uh, as those of you who are regulars at St. Paul's will know, we are journeying through the Gospel of Luke and we're taking every passage um, as we go. So it's not that always every Sunday we're looking at a really um, uh, difficult yet important topic. Um, it's always important, of course, but um, it does mean that we're not skipping over anything. And, uh, and we're confronting and being confronted with the teaching of the words of Jesus. Um, and in, th in this case, we're going to be 
uh, looking tonight um, at uh, marriage uh, and divorce. But first, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as I'm aware that we are on, um, we're, we're just in kind of delicate ground here. And I pray for grace. Lord, thank you that you are gracious, compassionate, gentle, kind, loving. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to, to come upon us now. Speak to us from your word. Uh, help us to understand and, and give us hearts uh, to follow Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I just want to start by acknowledging that um, there'll be some of us in the room tonight uh, for whom uh, this is really kind of painful. This is bringing up painful um, memories or situations um, that you've been. It might, have, it might be divorce in your own marriage. Um, it might be someone who's close to you. Perhaps it's in your family. Um, your, your own parents or, or a friend, I just want to acknowledge that, um, that this is difficult and, and I, I beg you for your grace um, as we press into this. I just want to say, you know, just remember, whatever your situation is, Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you, and Jesus wants the best for you, Okay? Uh, Jesus is the one who says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the same Jesus uh, that we're talking about. Also just want to acknowledge that uh, this topic uh, of divorce and remarriage is one that Christians hold different views on. Um, and this sermon tonight is not going to, is not intended as some kind of, I don't know, to solve that. Um, but I just want to acknowledge that, okay. Um, the intention in a Christian marriage um, is always that it's life-giving and lifelong. And, you know, whenever this doesn't happen, it's always desperately sad and painful for us and, and for God's heart as well. Uh, tragically, divorce is commonplace um, in, in our society today. I looked up the statistics. Approximately 42% of marriages in England and Wales end in divorce today. And as of last year, um, in the UK, um, it's, now, uh, it's now been brought into law, like, no-fault divorces. Um, so um, I, either spouse um, is able to, to kind of file for divorce um, without giving um, a reason. Pre previous to that, you, a reason had to be given, such as adultery or unreasonable behavior um, or separation. And in first century Judea, as Jesus was ministering and teaching, actually divorce was similarly commonplace, if not even more. 
actually. A Jewish man could divorce his wife for basically any reason. Um, and I was a, a, one of the, the rabbis at the time, and, and his followers um, read this, this um, sentence in the Old Testament law um, about if a, if, if a husband finds some indecency in his wife, then that's grounds for divorce, and, and came up with a list of all these different things this meant. One of them, I am not kidding, is that um, his wife like, burnt the dinner. Like, I'm not kidding, that, that was in it. If he displeased him by not preparing the meal properly, um, that was grounds uh, for divorce. In both settings, today and first century Judea, divorce uh, was and is common and easy, and it's into this context that Jesus speaks these words. So here's where we're going tonight. We're going to have a brief look at what Jesus says about marriage. Um, I, I asked for Matthew 19 to be read alongside Luke, because in Luke, Luke just gives us a, a really cursory summary um, not even really that, just a kind of passing comment. Um, but Jesus' teaching is dealt with more, treated more fully in, in Matthew's gospel. And so that's the, so you might want to turn to that. I know some of us have got our Luke's um, journals that we're, we're making notes in, but we'll be really looking at Matthew um, 19 tonight. So we'll be looking briefly, what does, what does Jesus say about marriage? Then I want to give a, a word to um, those of us well, who are single, um, and a word to those who are married. So, Jesus on marriage. Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees, these religious um, leaders, um, and for Jesus, he, he goes back, right back to the start. He points back to creation. That's his starting point. Um, he looks at God's heart and design for marriage. You see, the, the Pharisees are, are asking the wrong question. When they come up and say, is it lawful for someone to divorce um, for any reason? Jesus refuses to answer that question because they're asking the, the wrong one. They want to know what conditions need to be met for a marriage to end. But Jesus moves the focus to what God's original purpose always was for marriage. So let's pick up in Matthew 19, um, from verse 4. This is Jesus answering. It says, At the beginning, the Creator, that's God, made them male and female, and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When... A man and a woman come together in marriage. There's, there's a profound uh, union on a spiritual level that um, Jesus and God is saying ca- cannot simply or, or neatly or perhaps even fully be broken once that union has been made. Um, now, of course, what we're probably thinking is, well, like that's well and good, but that's not the reality of the world, 42%. Uh, in the UK, uh, and, and that's exactly um, that's exactly what the Pharisees do um, in their response um, to Jesus. 
And then this, you know, as, as Christians, we recognize that the world has been broken by sin. You know, after that original creation um, by God, that the fall comes. And we read on in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world and everything, every relationship gets spoiled um, and broken in some way. So the Pharisees come back at Jesus Why then, they asked, did did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? They're saying, it's in the Bible. Um, There's provision for divorce in the Old Testament. That's true. Uh, Jesus replies, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. See, he, he he doesn't return it with Moses commanded. no. The, the Old Testament only permits, which is different, uh, very different. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning, creation. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Divorce was only ever permitted, never commanded. And tragically it happens. Jesus doesn't deny this at all, but he wants us to acknowledge that divorce was never God's original intention for marriage. It's always something which is desperately sad. What I want to add is to to draw in um, something else, which isn't in our, our passage in Matthew, but Um, In the Bible, uh, marriage is is an image of God's relationship with his people all throughout the Bible. And uh, in Revelation, which is the final book of the Bible, uh, uh, there's a kind of prophecy of the the end times, the end of history. Um, And uh, I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. This is the Apostle John, follower of Jesus, um, says this, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So this is uh, a wedding, a wedding imagery. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their gods. This is looking at the new creation. The Bible starts with creation. We have the fall, uh, the journey of Israel, God's people. Jesus comes, uh, dies for sin, is raised uh, to new life, ascends to heaven. Then we have uh, the church. Uh, that's that's our, our bit in history. We see the start of that in the New Testament, uh, and we continue that on. And finally, we get to the end, kind of the end of history uh, where there's a new creation and, um, and there's a restoration uh, as God renews all things and, and, and uh, uses the imagery of, a, of this new Jerusalem, this is God's people, the church, uh, coming to meet Jesus like a bride on her wedding day. All marriages from the beginning of time point to the true marriage that uh, of heaven and earth, which God is going to bring about. So that's a, a brief sketch uh, on marriage. 
Whole books have been written on this. If you want to read more, I really highly recommend um, the, the late Tim Keller and his wife Kathy wrote, have written a brilliant book called The Meaning of Marriage, which I really recommend um, to check out and read. What I want to do just in the rest of my time um, is to first give a word to, to the single tonight um, and then to uh, the married. First to uh, the single. These are uh, those of us um, who, who've never been married, uh, or perhaps you're engaged, uh, widowed, or divorced. Let's pick up again from our passage in Matthew, verse 10. The disciples said to Jesus, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. Hear what Jesus says, go, we don't like that. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't get married at all. Maybe we shouldn't have got married at all. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. For there are eunuchs who are born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Slightly cryptic, Jesus. So I'm going to talk about eunuchs. Um, eunuchs were, uh, were men who had had their genitals cut off. Um, uh, they were actually fairly, it was fairly common practice in the ancient world. Never by God's people. Uh, so the people of Israel uh, never used this practice, but it was used um, by others. And um, often these men were then uh, were, were then employed as kind of royal or government officials. Um, and of course, they didn't marry. Um, Jesus is using, uh, and Jesus kind of says, he's talking about eunuchs and is, is talking about the, the life of, of singleness. And it's, it's an extreme example, and Jesus intends for it to be a, a quite a shocking one. You think, Jesus, why are, you talk, why are you talking in these terms? You know, Jesus is making a serious point to get our attention and to get his hearers' attention to a, a society that was obsessed with marriage and procreation. Jesus elevates singleness and, um, and honors it and says, pay attention, this is um, a way of life which is a gift and a calling and a blessing from God. Singleness is an honorable and a valid way of life for the Christian. That's what Jesus is telling us here. And uh, Jesus talks about there's, there's, different, um, there's different reasons why we might be single. There might be circumstances beyond our control. It might just be our personal situation or, or perhaps bereavement. It might be circumstances that are caused by others. I think this would include divorce for some of us. And it can also be embraced as part of following Jesus. I want to say to you tonight, if you're single tonight, your singleness is honorable to God in his eyes. Jesus makes singleness honorable. Jesus was single. He was single, the one who's saying this. Here's some other examples from the Bible, just a few. The Apostle Paul, he writes this to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 7. Now to the unmarried and widows I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I do. 
Now, that's a whole different sermon. Go, go away and read 1 Corinthians 7. Um, but uh, Paul was single. Um, he was someone who chose this um, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. How about John the Baptist? This is Jesus' cousin, um, a, a prophet who, um, who was called to kind of prepare the way for Jesus and tell everyone about Jesus. And, and he lived out in the wilderness um, and he was single. How about Anna? Uh, this is a, a woman who was widowed in her, her early life, probably in her 20s, and for the rest of her life, 60 plus years, she was single and devoted to prayer, and she was there when, when, um, when the child Jesus gets presented in the temple. She was there, um, and she met him and prophesied over him. Or in the Old Testament, how about Jeremiah? Prophet Jeremiah is called Um, by God to be single. All of these are honored um, in God's eyes. Singleness is honorable in his eyes. I just, I want to say, you you don't need to marry uh, or remarry to live a fulfilled life. The church has so often been guilty of like idolizing marriage um, um, in, in what we say and do and what we don't say and don't do. Um, but the fact is that marriage will not fulfill any of our lives. Only God can do that. And you know, many of the people I know who are, who are most fulfilled and most committed to Jesus are single. Christian singleness is also a sign of heavenly life. Did you know that there'll be no marriage in heaven? Did you know that? Listen to this from Jesus, Matthew 22. He's being part of a a different discussion. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They'll be like the angels in heaven. Uh, You know, when we are in heaven, when we go to glory or Jesus returns in the new creation, there won't be any marriage. Because at that point, the thing that marriage points to will be fulfilled. The true marriage will have taken place, the union of God and humankind. And that will be all of our lived experience, as we heard from Revelation chapter 21. Practically, I want to say that singleness needs support in the church. You know, let's, let's support and honor and contend uh, for those who are single in church. You know, we live in a secular culture with this hyper-individualism. We live, we're kind of just, we're, the way that society just kind of, f- the flow of the culture makes us live these really atomized, separate lives. But the church is God's family, and all of us are full members of it. Here at St. Paul's, we're really blessed to have a uh, the Securely Single course, which Ellen has put together and we run here, and is a wonderful resource um, and support uh, for, for the single life uh, in Christ. Uh, so can I commend that you join us for that when that's next running um, here at St. Paul's. What I'm giving is like a collection of thoughts. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Next thought is this. If you do pursue marriage... Be careful who you marry. 
And that's what Jesus is telling us here. Not that it's about finding like the perfect person because they don't exist. Um, it's also not about obtaining perfect information because, well, firstly, that's not possible. And secondly, um, people change over life as part of being human and living in time as we change. So, um, so any information you get is not going to be um, total until you get to the end of your life, really. Um, it's not about that, but it is about there's a prayerful discernment which Jesus calls us to. Um, uh, one thing I just want to, just a, a kind of tangent, to, just to say is that what I'm not saying, what Jesus doesn't call us to is, to, is to say, well, let's just live together first and kind of road test this before we decide to get married. That's actually not uh, something that Jesus uh, calls us to. Um, you know, we, we heard Jesus quoting from Genesis, isn't he? Marriage is when... Um, a man and a woman leave their father and mother and are united together. Um, so it's not about, not, I'm not saying not seeking like perfection, but it is, let's be prayerfully discerning. And just a caveat, I, I am not saying that, that um, divorce happens because that wasn't done properly. That's not what God's saying, but I still think it's worth um, commending this to you. But rather, I want to quote from the, the, the liturgy of the wedding service um, if you, uh, for marriages um, in the Church of England, we say this as part of the, the service. No one should enter into marriage lightly or selfishly, but reverently and responsibly in the sight of Almighty God. So let's seek uh, to do that. Okay, a word to the married, those who are married. Uh, if you're married here tonight, whether for a short time or a long time, whether you have children or not, uh, whether you're happily married or you're struggling. Christian marriage is called to be an expression of the relationship of God, between God and his people. Um, I'm gonna quote from Ephesians chapter five. St. Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then if we skip ahead to verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Uh, Jesus is, the, is our model um, in the married life. Uh, uh, there's this mutual submission um, to one another, um, after the pattern of Jesus, and, and not after our own desires and preferences, but rather seeking the other's best. Next thought about, uh, and a word to the, to, a, to the married, is marriage takes work and commitment. Now again, I'm not saying that, uh, that all divorces happen because that's, because the spouses didn't try hard enough. I'm not saying that. But marriage does take work and commitment. So invest in your marriage. Spend quality time together. Put marriage time in the diary every week. Put it in. If something comes in, then it needs to move. You know, shift it somewhere else. Don't cancel it. Seek each other's best. Pray for one another. Ask what the Lord wants for the other. Keep short accounts. Keep talking to each other. 
Um, forgiving and being forgiven by each other. Do the marriage course every few years. Uh, the marriage course is a, is, a, is a wonderful course that come out of the same place as Alpha. Um, and again, we run it here, uh, we run it here at St. Paul's and it's, it's good to do every few years. I've got a quote from, um, from Tolkien, from J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, and Tolkien... Uh, in one of his letters, writes about marriage. And I was really struck by this quote, and I wanted to share it with you because I think it's really insightful. Um, he writes this. He's writing to his son. He says, Nearly all marriages, even happy ones, are mistakes in the sense that almost certainly in a more perfect world or, or even with a little more care in this very imperfect one, both partners might have found more suitable mates, but the real soulmate is the one you are actually married to. Um, yeah, the real soulmate is the one you are actually married to. Marriage takes uh, care and commitment. Just as, just as with singleness, marriage needs support in the church. Let's honor and support and contend uh, for marriage in the, the church. And those who are married, you know, given the high call of Jesus for marriage, let's seek for church to be a place where marriages can flourish and be championed and not have to be perfect or, or, um, or guarded. Just a few practical things to say. If your marriage is in trouble or gets into trouble, um, if you're struggling, then can I encourage you to get support? Uh, there's support in the church and outside the church, but um, us as a clergy team, myself, Eleanor, Jonathan, are always happy to chat with you and pray with you. Um, there's counseling uh, you can receive. There's the marriage course, as I say, is really good at just getting us to talk about some of these difficult things. Um, if your marriage, um, if there's abuse, then please, please hear this. Please be safe. And uh, Jesus is not calling um, us to stay in abusive marriages. Um, be safe, even if this means separation. Okay. If there's unfaithfulness um, in your marriage, if if you're being unfaithful, Jesus calls you to stop now. You know, if you're involved with someone else, um, even if it's, you know, even, even if it's just, you know, texting or flirting, or, these things, let's, Jesus says no. Let's, uh, let's guard our marriages. Um, those things need to stop. Okay. We're coming in to finish. I'd love us to finish our time looking, um, looking at this topic by just coming back to thinking about God's unfailing faithfulness. Just thinking like, where's the good news in all of this? It's always, when we're preparing to preach, where is the good news? The good news, I want to suggest, is that marriage is a picture of the relationship God offers us, and God will never abandon you. Do you know that? God will never abandon you. When you come to God and put your faith in him and your trust in him, what he has joined together, he will not separate. 
just a few verses from the Bible uh, which show us this. Deuteronomy 31. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Jeremiah 31. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Well, how about this from John chapter 6? All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. This is what God says to us, and we can trust him. The brokenness um, of sin in the world has, has, as it were, like separated, almost divorced us from God, and Jesus is the one who comes and unites us with him. And, you know, Jesus will return. He's going to renew all things and restore all things, and, and we will be with him forever. So, whatever your circumstances are tonight, whether you're single or married, whether you see pain and disappointment in your past or in your future, the Lord Jesus is committed to you. Jesus is committed to you. He won't let you down. He won't take you for granted. He will never abuse you. He is for you in a way that no human spouse ever could be. He's committed to you. 